Welcome to On DOD on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, Jared Serbu. Thanks for joining us this week. And our focus for this part of the show is on how the Defense Department handles complaints to the hotline at its Office of the Inspector General, and in particular, claims of whistleblower reprisal. One of the newest developments in that process at the OIG is the introduction of an alternative dispute resolution process. It's an alternative in the sense that it gives people who feel they've been retaliated against for reporting waste, fraud, and abuse a way to get some relief for their claims without waiting for a formal investigation by the IG. And as we'll hear this hour, those investigations don't always produce the final outcome complainants think they're due anyway, even when the IG rules in their favor. The IG started the rollout of the ADR process with contractor employees who complain about reprisal, and so far the results look very promising. In the last six-month reporting period, the IG managed to resolve 27 contractor reprisal complaints. Compare that to the six months before ADR was introduced, when the IG was only using the traditional investigative process, it substantiated just two complaints. We have two guests with us this week to talk about ADR and some other hotline matters. Patrick Gukin is the director of the DOD OIG Hotline. He'll join us in our next segment. First, though, Nilgan Tolik, the director of Whistleblower Reprisal Investigations, talked with me about alternative dispute resolution. We'd been wanting to implement an ADR process in whistleblower reprisal investigations for years, and we got the support from it for it from um, Mr. Fine, our Principal Deputy Inspector General, who really understood the value of... Um, alternative dispute resolution in ensuring fairness and due process to employees. And I'm, I'm virtually quoting a report to Congress from the um, Office of Special Counsel, uh, which was one of our inspirations for doing this. Um, they said in a report to Congress in 2016, ensuring fairness and due process to employees while preventing paralyzing stalemates and disruptions to the conduct of government business. Um, it really boils down to most agencies that deal with whistleblower protection statutes have been offering some form of alternative dispute resolution for years. And it has just made sense in terms of timeliness of resolutions and win-win outcomes um, to, to have offered that. So we figured out that the initial way we would offer it is for employees who are filing reprisal complaints under the con DOD contractor statute. So employees of contractors, subcontractors, um, grantees, subgrantees, and personal services contractors file complaints with us. And since September of 2017, when we, when we established the program, the first stop of those complaints when we get them from the hotline is our ADR team. And there, ADR is offered to the parties, generally first to the complainant, because of course it's, the, it's a complaint-driven process, and if the complainant is not interested in ADR, then it, it stops there. But if the complainant says yes, then we reach out to the employer under those contractor cases, and um, if they're also willing, then we proceed because alternative dispute resolution is a voluntary process, so there is no way that we could impose it on anyone, and both parties have to agree to do it. The other statute that we receive complaints under that also goes automatically first to ADR is 
um, the non-appropriated fund instrumentality employees. Those are the people who work for the um, morale, welfare, and recreation organizations throughout the DOD. And those also go there. Under our other statutes, sometimes we hand-select ones that uh, complaints that seem like they might be amenable to resolution and, and send them to ADR first. And lastly, the, as you know, the vast majority of our complaints are under the military whistleblower protection statute. And those, at the beginning, we held back from the ADR process because there are lots of people who believe that, that in the military context, um, reprisal complaints shouldn't be, be handled via an alternative process. But even under that statute, in the last few months, with the encouragement of Mr. Fine, we have pi been piloting a program where selected um, military cases also are offered ADR. I, let me go back to the contractor piece of this, because as I've looked at the OIG's semiannual reports over the last several years, it, it has seemed like it's been quite hard, or I don't know if hard is the right word, but the rate at which contractor reprisal allegations have been substantiated has been pretty low compared to the other categories. And, and I'm wondering if that's part of the reason you decided to start the ADR process with that category. That's an interesting way to look at it. I, I wouldn't say that that's why we wanted to lead with that category. Specifically, um, in the private sector, companies have been dealing with options like uh, some version of ADR in all kinds of their processes for years. And so they're familiar with the concept and understand the advantages of it and are more willing to say yes to the process than maybe others are just because of being in the private sector. So we believed that they would readily agree. And in general, they have. And the how that relates to the substantiation rate is a sort of a tenuous thing, but but it's difficult to substantiate reprisal complaints based on on the kinds of evidence that can be gathered and and so on. And so, you mean actually, in the contractor setting specifically? Um, no, in any setting, it's it's difficult to prove. Yes, and so with ADR. The possibility that a complainant can get some kind of relief and get it much more quickly than through the investigative process is it has just been proven. So an investigation, even when we substantiate a complaint under the contractor statute, what happens is we send the results to the secretary concerned, which is to say whichever secretary is over the um, agency in the department that uh, had that contract. Mm -hmm. And um, it's up to them whether they do anything to offer a remedy or um, take corrective action against the, the company that retaliated. So in the process of waiting for that to happen, and, and there's been a case that's out in the news for quite a while now that was um, a case that we substantiated against the Lidos company, and the department has not taken any action because it doesn't believe that we reached the right conclusion in our report. 
So when you compare the possibility that even with a substantiated complaint, no corrective or remedial action might be taken versus a a mutually agreed upon resolution that, that is good for both parties, it's kind of hands down ADR wins. Yeah, because it, as you say, it's mutually agreed upon. Based, based on your experience with the program so far, what's kind of the range of, of remedies and corrective actions that, that tend to come out of, of these dispute resolution processes? Pretty much the same uh, remedies that come out under any kind of whistleblower reprisal uh, circumstance. So it ranges from back wages to lump sum payments, sometimes compensatory damages, uh, sometimes attorney's fees, uh, expungement of disciplinary actions, and revised evaluations to reflect actual better performance than was reflected in a retaliatory evaluation, um, or recharacterizing employment records like changing a firing to a resignation um, so that when the, the record would reflect a, a less negative situation. Reemployment can occur, neutral letters of reference, improved working conditions, paying for extended health insurance coverage while the employee searches for new employment. I mean, just like the whole range, the whole gamut. How how binding are these agreements on, on both the employer side and on, on the employee side? I mean, I, I'm going to assume most people enter into these agreements in good faith, but if they don't follow through on what they agreed to do... Is there any way to to hold them to it? That wouldn't fall to us to do because it's an agreement between the parties. We aren't, Mm -hmm. we aren't party to the agreement, but they, it falls under regular contract law and either party could take the other to court to enforce the agreement. But to our knowledge, that hasn't, that situation hasn't arisen since we started doing this program. I see. Based on what you've seen so far, are, are there other areas of the DODOIG's work where it would make sense to apply ADR beyond whistleblower reprisal specifically? Well, the Administrative Dispute Resolution Act, which is the, the source for all of these efforts, um, actually says that any government agency that deals with a, a variety of kinds of complaints where it it deals with the outcome of adverse parties. I, I don't have the phrasing at the tip of my tongue, but but that it should be considered under all of those circumstances. So I'm just going to stick to my world and say that it has worked in reprisal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, and it's available under a variety of other. What, what have you learned about the process so far in terms of, of things that have worked exceptionally well and things that haven't worked so well in, in ways in which the ADR process might be improved? I think that the ADR process itself, like once it's it's a, such a well-established thing, and and our people who do that work are are very skilled at it. So I I think the the process by which the the ADR attorneys who work for us work with the parties, it's that process probably is is a well-established thing in terms of how we deal with it with our stakeholders, so to speak. I think more more outreach needs to be done, and we're aware of that, and we're doing it because outside of the private sector, 
there are a lot of people who don't really even know what we're talking about when when we make the offer and so it can trigger a chain reaction of they'll contact their local ig and say what is going on what is this thing and then the local ig will call us and so we are getting the word out there but there's more more outreach to be done what happens if you know during the course of the adr process the oig learns that you know not only is an employee do some sort of remedy, but but someone has committed a bad act, uh, engaged in a prohibited personnel practice and in an ongoing pattern, and, and, and you guys feel like this is something that needs to be brought to the department's attention. Can you do that, or does putting something through ADR foreclose the possibility to make formal recommendations to a secretary, et cetera? Normally, the ADR process or, or the discussions that occur in ADR cannot be they're confidential. They can't be shared with anyone else by the uh, by the neutral, by the ADR attorney. So if, if something arose during that process, there would have to be a kind of stepping back from from the ADR, maybe stopping it, and then um, resuming under our normal investigative authority or making a referral to the hotline on some other like criminal matter or wrongdoing. But in general, that hasn't yet occurred. It's just it is an option. The, the person on our side, the, the neutral party, has to keep a lookout for those kinds of red flags for moving forward. And in fact, like if those things are evident from the get-go in their review of the incoming complaint, then then those can be a reason not to offer ADR. So, for example, um, significant questions of government policy that arise in the context of the complaint and that would need to be looked into, public policy reasons or, or uh, to create like precedential value in by investigating and having a finding relating to that. And sometimes if there are criminal proceedings ongoing, like obviously we couldn't touch it at that point. So there are there are red flags on things that that you wouldn't carry through the ADR process. Our guests are Nilgun Tolik, the Director of Whistleblower Reprisal Investigations at the DOD Inspector General's Office, and Patrick Gukin, the Director of the DOD OIG Hotline. We'll be back to talk more after a short break. This is On DOD on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jared Serdu. Back on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. This is on DOD. I'm Jared Serbu. And we're talking with two guests from the DOD Inspector General's Office in this part of the program about the DOD hotline and how the OIG investigates complaints that come in via the hotline. Before the break, we heard from Nilgan Tolik, the OIG's Director of Whistleblower Reprisal Investigations, about the IG's new alternative dispute resolution process. And Patrick Gukin, the Director of the OIG hotline, is also with us. And, and Patrick, let's turn to you and, and talk with us a little bit about how you handle more generally the intake process for complaints at the IG's office, you know, for reprisals and, and everything else. And, and, you know, take us through some of the bigger changes that you've put in place over the last several years beyond just ADR. All righty. In 2013, we had 107,000 open cases 
that dated as far back as 1994 and had not been answered. We triaged them and, and determined that the best use of government resources, we focused on 17,000 of those cases. It took manual resolution by going into each one of those cases to figure out what needed to be done with those cases. We had an 18-month backlog of referring cases. So if someone reported something to us back then, 18 months later, we sent it out the door for someone to look at it. It was unacceptable. It took us 22 days to get a case from my office in the hotline across the hall to the Whistleblower Reprisal Investigations Unit. Now that takes one day. We focused on mission first and people always. Um, we created a strategic plan to mend our culture and build the model hotline. Uh, it wasn't hard to determine. There, there weren't very good interactive processes with, between the hotline and even other DOD OIG components, nor the 50-plus components of the Department of Defense, nor the other federal agencies that we regularly interact with. There was uh, poor communication and poor documented processes. So we came up with a strategic plan that was uh, done through empowerment of the staff, created the processes. We started communication. In my second month here, I met with all of my OIG counterparts by holding an open house here in the hotline. In uh, the fourth month, we started the uh, first annual worldwide outreach uh, that we invited our entire community of practice, and that is DOD hotlines. DOD components, federal OIG hotlines, local, state, and non-governmental organization hotlines. And we did that to start the line of communication across our community practice and share best and worst practices, lessons learned, what not to do, and actually what to do. And the most significant part of all this was we got leadership, full support from the top down. Um, we're fortunate to have in our organization a man that's been with us uh, in the government since 1977 named Charlie St. Cyr, who had actually been one of the original people who started the DOD hotline decades ago. Our deputy inspector general is Marguerite Garrison. If there's one deputy inspector general in this building I want fighting for me, it's her. Our principal deputy inspector general performing the duties as the Inspector General is Glenn Fine. If there's anyone I want fighting for me on the world arena, it's Glenn Fine. Everything I've needed, they've given me. Everyone who works around me has given me what I needed. Everyone who works around me has done a wonderful job of one team concept. The one team isn't the DOD hotline. It's all the support functions within the DOD OIG and it's the entire Department of Defense, all the components gathering together to, to get this mission done. One, one, one aspect of what you're talking about, Patrick, I think is, you know, it, it, if there had been a years-long period where it took 18 months to get a complaint process, that, that it seems to me, erodes trust among the constituencies of people who would be complainants throughout the department. And, and I wonder if you found that when you came in and what kind of progress you think you've made in communicating to, to, to again, potential complainants the fact that we are going to try and resolve your situation quickly? I believe you are correct that um, trust had been eroded because of the backlog. And um, 
the way that we gained, regained trust was through our actions, not necessarily our words. We created uh, robust standard operating procedures. We created a processes of triaging uh, complaints by priority. You know, priority one is a life, health, safety matter. And our goal was to get that out the door within one day so it could be uh, worked on. Priority two were senior official misconduct, reprisal against whistleblowers, and other matters of importance to the Department of Congress. And the metric for that was three days to refer that. Priority three were all, matter, all other matters of interest to the department, and that was a 10-day metric. So we had the 18-month backlog when I got here in March of 2013. And on March 20th of 2014, all of those cases had been referred. We, we cleared the backlog in a year. At that time, we were able to begin focusing on the inventory of backlog cases that we had referred out for inquiry. For, for several years, I was dual-hatted. I was also the whistleblower protection ombudsman for the department. As the ombudsman, it's now called a coordinator, but as the ombudsman, I would receive calls and Quite often, they were from someone who wanted to file a complaint and wanted to know how to file a complaint, and they would tell me that they learned from the person in the desk next to them or someone in their carpool or some other place of what I call word on the street that the DOD hotline works. So that was a very good thing that the public trust had been come back into the uh, hotline world. Other things we did... In 2015, myself and Nilgan Tolek were at the Judicial Proceedings Panel, and uh, they were concerned, Congress was concerned about ostracism and maltreatment imposed against someone after reporting sexual assault. And they were asking Ms. Tolek what the WRI, or Whistleblower Reprisal Investigations Directorate, could do about that. And it wasn't squarely addressed in a statute that she covers, and so I offered and implemented that day policy that any case like that that comes into the DOD hotline would be referred for action to the respective DOD component, and we would direct that an inquiry would be conducted and the results reported back to the DOD OIG. And we implemented that policy on the spot. Uh, notable cases that have come through the DOD hotline are the, the death of Pat Tillman, the, the handling of remains at Dover Mortuary, the handling of graves at the Arlington National Cemetery, Fat Leonard, Glenn Defense Marine Asia, uh, the, the movie War Dogs in one scene in there after the subjects of that case had uh, ripped off their partner overseas. The partner is on the phone and the scene is, hello, Pentagon, I want to report a crime. That was answered right here in my office. Recent things are the, the Lidos matter and Transdime have come through the DOD hotline. And what we've done to uh, educate 100% of the whistleblowers who contact the DOD hotline, one of our efficiencies is when you submit a complaint, you get back immediately a read receipt, and it gives you a somewhat of a case number that you can refer back to, but it also it, it educates you on your rights against whistleblower retaliation and lets you know that you may have just made a, a communication that's protected by a whistleblower protection statute 
And if you suffer retaliation, please get back in touch with us and it gives you the means to get in touch with us. And you mentioned a little bit earlier, Patrick, some of the hotline outreach events that you've been organizing to to kind of share best practices throughout the broader IG community. And I, I know you've got another one of those coming up. You want to take a second to plug that and, and let folks know how they can take part if they want? Yeah, it's on July 30th, 2019 here at the Mark Center in Alexandria, Virginia. We're hosting our seventh annual worldwide outreach, and it's open to um, hotlines from throughout DOD or the federal government or state or local government or any NGO hotline. We want the entire community of practice to participate. And uh, anyone who would like to sign up for it can do so by contacting us at Hotline Outreach, and that's one word, Hotline Outreach at dodig.mil. Patrick Gukin is the director of the DOD OIG Hotline. And just before that, we heard from Nilgan Tolik, the director of Whistleblower Reprisal Investigations at the DOD OIG. That's it for this week's edition of On DOD. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. I'm Jared Serbia. So long. You've been listening to On DOD on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Wednesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. 